You're listening to the MoneyWeb SAFM Market Update Podcast. From one Anglo-American subsidiary yesterday in the form of Amplats to another one today in the form of Kumba Iron Ore. Uh, they put out their annual results, but they also put out a Section 189A uh, around the restructuring and potential retrenchments and job cuts that we could be seeing there from that business. And um, much like yesterday's conversation, our senior ed- or our editor at MoneyWeb, Rek Vanikar, caught up with the uh, CEO of Kumba Iron Ore, Mpumi Zigalala, to take a look at the numbers and get a sense of why uh, the business performed the way it did. Let's listen in on that conversation. Kumba Iron Ore reported financial results for 2023 today. Now, Kumba is the largest producer of iron ore on the continent, and Anglo-American owns around 70% of the company. Kumba has two primary operations, the largest being a 76% stake in the Session Iron Ore Mine in the Northern Cape. This mine is an open pit mine, and it's 14 kilometers long, making it one of the largest open pit mines in the world. Kumba also owns the Kolomela mine near Postmansburg, also in the Northern Cape. The group reported today that revenues for 2023 increased by 16% to 86 billion rand. The headline earnings rose by 26% to 22.7 billion rand. The group's production, however, dropped by 5% to 36 million tons, mostly due to the problems at Transnet. The board declared a final dividend of 24 rand and 20 cents a share, pushing the total dividend for the year to 46 rand 80. The group also announced the possible retrenchment of around 490 employees, and it follows yesterday's announcement by Amplat that it will cut its workforce by 3,700 people. Mpumi Sigalala is on the line. She is Kumba's CEO. Mpumi, thank you so much for your time today. You have announced a restructuring process that will affect nearly 500 people, yet your profitability rose by around 26%, which is significant. Can you put this into context? Clearly, you've highlighted the results. I think in addition, just a couple of things, we saw an improvement in our safety performance, which is always something that we essentially look at. But another point that we highlighted was the fact that we actually had to slow down production in the fourth quarter. And the reason why was because we found ourselves sitting at unprecedented levels of our product stockpiles, which rose up to 9 million tons. And the reason why we slowed down production was because we needed to realign and rebalance our value chain as a result of logistics performance. So the reason for us to initiate a Section 189 process is not one that we've taken easily. It is a difficult one, and it will be a challenging period for our teams. The two key reasons why we are looking at this is simply because where we sit at the moment, our operations are outperforming the logistics network. And that's where we found ourselves with increasing levels of our product stockpiles. And we do need to rebalance the value chain as we reconfigure our business. We started this work last year and we started with other elements of the business. So we had a look at our mine plans and readjusting those. And we had a look at other structural cost reductions across the business. And as a last resort, we've sadly gotten to the point where we've initiated the Section 189 process. But we cannot continue running a business that's out of balance and where we find ourselves accumulating stock. I've got to say that that does not mean that we don't believe in the turnaround that's been driven by the National Logistics Crisis Committee. What we recognize is the fact that the right work is being done, but that the results will take some time 
to translate into a space where we'll get back to levels where we'll find ourselves having more than 40 million tons of logistics capacity. Clearly, the second reason is because when your value chain is out of balance, it actually means that you continue spending money that you don't need to spend because your business will be designed to deliver more than 40 million tons of iron ore, but your logistics will be constrained to the figures that we've guided. Yeah, I think that's the sad reality because if Transnet can ship more, you can expand your operations. But you've given guidance about future production levels, which remain relatively static at around 37 million tons. So can we deduce that you don't expect over the next few years there will be a significant increase in the efficiencies at Transnet, even under Michelle Phillips? So I think a couple of things we've guided within a range of 35 to 37 million tons. But what you need to consider as well is the fact that we are currently sitting with high levels of stock. So sitting at just over 7 million tons. And over the next couple of years, we'll clearly be eating into that stock. In addition to that, because that's just the stock that's sitting at the end of the process, which is our saleable production. We are also sitting with high levels of buffers in terms of our own production value chain. And we are essentially looking at getting back to normal levels. And then coming back to the Transnet side, I said that we do fully support the National Logistics Crisis Committee. And we've seen strong leadership coming through from Michelle. And what we also like is the fact that Michelle's actually have spent some time getting closer to the customers. What we do, however, realize is the fact that the extent of the challenges mean that it will just take some time for this to get back to the levels that we'd like to get to, which is us getting more than 40 million tons of capacity from a logistics performance perspective. In a perfect world where there are no logistic problems, no electricity supply problems, how significantly can you ramp up Kumba's production? Or put differently, what is the opportunity cost of the logistical and electricity challenges we face here in in South Africa? So like in a perfect world, we'd want to see ourselves running at historical levels where, as I've said, we've guided at around 35 to 37 million tons, but we've seen ourselves peaking at 42 to 43 million tons. And we'd like to get back to those levels. And I've got to say that clearly, It's been difficult looking at this decision because our teams have actually performed exceptionally well. It's just that we can't continue with a value chain that's out of balance. From a Kumba perspective, electricity challenges do not impact us as much. And that's because from a mining perspective, we run with predominantly a diesel powered fleet. But clearly we do work closely as well with ESCOM. It's just that Transnet or logistics performance impacts us significantly more. Are there other government-linked challenges you face? Maybe issues related to licensing? So this is one of the biggest challenges that we have from a Kumba perspective, because we clearly would like to unconstrain our value chain. And we all know that if we do get that right, and it's not just about Kumba, it's about other mining companies, we know that our country as a whole would benefit from this. From a mining license perspective, etc., we work very closely with the DMRE and it's a space that we clearly manage on a day-to-day basis. Whenever we have challenges, the DMRE makes themselves available for us to engage with them. Let's look at the possibility of private operators 
entering the fray to increase efficiencies at Transnet. You predominantly use the Session Saldana railway line. And my perception is, and I think it is accurate, that that is the most efficiently managed Transnet line, especially on the commodity side. Are there prospects of private operators actually operating on that specific line? Yes, we use the INO export channel, which is the Sandana Bay export channel. And one of the things that excites us at the moment is the fact that the freight logistics roadmap was approved by cabinet in December. And that essentially is looking at driving for more private sector participation and not just as Coomba, but as part of the all users forum, which includes other users of the line. We are looking forward to engaging around looking at how best we can actually benefit from this. We do think that concessions could work for the INO export channel, and that's where we are looking forward to having engagements with both Transnet and government. Mpumi, thank you so much for your time. That was Mpumi Sigalala. She's the CEO of Kumba. You've been listening to another MoneyWeb SAFM Market Update podcast, uploaded weekdays at 7 p.m. For more MoneyWeb podcasts, go to moneyweb.co.za or the app and follow MoneyWeb News for daily updates.